Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. If you're new to Everyone Church or just checking us out, make sure you find us on Instagram, Facebook, everyonechurch.com.au. Check it out and come and join the journey. Every week we have in-person church. I make a special podcast-only version of the Sunday sermon, Uh, but there's nothing better than being in the room, being amongst each other, encouraging one another. Uh, So get there, come and join us. We're in September, which means we're past the halfway point of our what I would call our church year. We tend to do things from February to February at church. You know, in February, we have our Vision Sunday. We launch all of our, our missions projects for the year and all that kind of stuff. But to start off our year, back in February, I shared a word uh, for our church called Little by Little. And you may uh, have heard me say this phrase from time to time, Little by Little. It's kind of been a bit of a, a, a theme across our whole Year And if you missed our original talk on Little by Little, uh, you can scroll down our podcast and check it all out. But it, it's referring to a passage in Exodus. And for those who don't know the, the story of Exodus, it's quite famous. You know, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years, and uh, God raises up Moses and leads them out with all these miracles of going through the Red Sea. And, you know, and it's all on this promise of entering the promised land. And this dates right back to God's promise to Abraham and generations before. Um, it's basically the, the big story of the Old Testament. So, so God is speaking to Moses in this scripture in Exodus about the process of entering the promised land. And it says this in Exodus 23, verse 27 to 30. It says, I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose lands you invade. I will make all your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you and drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites. Now, just to pause, the, the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites were really evil people, sacrificing children, uh, rejecting God. It was just craziness, right? So God is saying, that is the land that you're going to be in. I'm going to drive them out. So let's continue reading in verse 29. He says, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. So it says, not all at once. You're not going to get this promised land all at once, but a little at a time. You see, the promised land was promised in a moment, but it was delivered little by little, miracle by miracle, step by step. Now, how does this relate to us as Christians today? How do we apply this to us? Because it's not just a metaphor. It literally happened. Uh, But we can draw parallels between the story of God's chosen people and their journey to the promised land and our journey today as Christians, because we're all on a journey towards God's promised land of, of heaven. And we're all on this little by little journey. There are a lot of things that God does in a moment, but there are also a multitude of things that God does little by little. Uh, Like look at your Christian life journey. In a moment, your sins are forgiven. When you have faith in Jesus, when you believe in Him, when you turn to Him, when you repent, in a moment you're born again. You're made into a new creation. Uh, In a moment, the Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart. So there are a lot of things that happen in a moment when you become a Christian, but there are also a multitude of things that happen little by little. 
Like little by little, I learn the ways of Jesus. Little by little, I continue to repent of my my sin and my, my, my old ways. Little by little, I learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Little by little, I learned to submit my life to God and, and godly leadership. And little by little, God gave the promised land to his people, the Israelites. That's like when I'm driving my kids, that they always ask, Dad, how long till we get home? And I look at the map and I say, eight minutes. And their response is always the same. Oh, this is a long time. This is a long drive, right? Isn't that just like us? We all want things right now, like now. And if we don't get it now... We think we're never going to get it, but we're all on a little by little journey. And even look at our church. Our church is on a little by little journey. I wish that things would happen in a moment. I do. Trust me. But we are on a little by little journey, new person by new person, coffee by coffee, meal by meal, prayer by prayer, tear by tear even, unity by unity, heading towards where God is leading us as a church. So today I want to come back to this theme a little bit of little by little and talk about our little-by-little little journey in discipleship. Discipleship. Our intentional journey towards spiritual maturity. It's actually one of our core values here at our church to engage in discipleship. Our journey toward becoming like Jesus, thinking and acting as Christ would have us. It's our pursuit of Him, our journey toward Him. Now, when I say the word disciple, what comes to your mind? Disciple. Uh, what is a disciple to you? Are, are you a disciple of Jesus? Would you consider yourself in that category? Here's another way to put it. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a fan? I think about footy. Now, I'm not the hugest rugby league fan. I'm more of a, an ice hockey guy, just being honest. I love the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if you were to ask me, hey, who is your your NRL team? I would say with confidence, the mighty Penrith Panthers. This is kind of where I grew up. My my parents were even season ticket holders for a couple of years. So in truth, uh, I'm a Penrith Panthers fan. But if I was to be really honest, I'm more of what we call a fair weather fan. And the definition of that is, is, is a fan who only pays attention to their favorite team when they are performing well. Uh, like I, and I have been paying more attention the last couple of years because we are back-to-back champs, right? Uh, but I think about my, my buddy Dave, who's, who's, who's a member of our church. He is a real deal Bulldogs fan. He's like true blue. He follows the, the Bulldogs when they're at the bottom, when they're at the top. In fact, he came with me and my sons to 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 my my son's first ever Panthers game the uh, a couple months ago and it was against the Bulldogs and the Panthers absolutely smashed them but he was there he didn't care he was like man this is my team I'm following them through thick or thin and I want to be a true blue follower of Jesus not just a fair weather fan many believers today are not really true followers of Jesus they're not true disciples of him. They're are they are really like fair weather fans. They they're seasonal. They follow Jesus until it gets tough. Or many believers are actually what I'd like to call stormy weather fans of Jesus. They come running to Jesus when life is hard and they really really need him. Like when things oh, I really need God. You know, I really need you now, Jesus. I need this new job. I need this breakthrough in my life. I need you to help me get through this this valley that I'm in. And then when things get better. 
they're gone, right? We're church planning, um, and we have seen all sorts of people come into our church over these last couple of years, and not everyone has been a disciple of Jesus. Some are just coming in for a quick fix or, or a job reference from the pastor for their, their Christian school job, and, and then they're gone, right? But then there are those people who are real disciples of him. I think about people like Cherie and Vilma and Ben and Haley and Angie, and I could name a whole bunch of people in our church who are real disciples of Jesus. They're on the journey of following him. Like When we say, I even said it earlier in the podcast, join the journey of being part of everyone church. I'm not just talking about the journey of, of a church plant, which is an exciting journey because not everybody can say they were part of a church plant. What I'm, but what I'm really talking about is the journey of following Jesus together, the best journey you could ever go on. So let's, let's talk about this journey. Let's talk about discipleship. Jesus is looking for disciples, not just fans, someone who truly follows him in fair weather, stormy weather, all seasons, mountains and valleys, true followers of him. So let's turn to Matthew 16, which is where we're going to kind of read today. I encourage you to check out Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 13, and we're going to read a whole bunch of verses in Matthew. We're going to kind of crawl through it. But we'll start in verse 13, because something really important happens here. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, there's a lot to be said about this interaction here. And and I, I think it's worth noting that our discipleship journey starts with knowing who Jesus is, not who others say he is, but who you are who you say he is. Do you know who he is? Like Peter, like Peter here. Uh, like What a joy it is to know Jesus, like to really know him, to walk with him and trust him day by day, hour by hour, little by little. Like, do you know him today? Can you say that? Like, who do you say Jesus is? Like, really, really? Not just who your parents say Jesus is or, or, or even who I say Jesus is. No, who do you say Jesus is? Can you say that? Can you say... You're the son of God. I believe in you, Jesus. Have you encountered his reality? All right, now let's continue. Matthew 16, let's jump ahead to verse 21, which is kind of our, our core uh, scripture for today. Matthew 16, 21 to 27. It says this, because just before I read, this is where things move from just a revelation of Jesus to like a real realization of what this means. So it says in verse 21, from then on, so from when? From when? Peter and the disciples really had a revelation that this is who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. It says this, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. Now, this is a big deal. First of all, this is the first of three times in the book of Matthew that Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. and But the Jews, who the disciples were, were Jews, right? So th- they thought that the Messiah would lead them to victory over the Romans. They thought the Messiah would, would be like a, a political kind of war hero and that they would take 
God's people back to the glory days of like King David ruling them and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But God's plan was much bigger. In fact, it was bigger than just the Jews. It was about the whole world. Jesus was about to take on the sins of humanity, not just the sins of one group of people. So let's continue reading in verse 22. But Peter, now just remember, in context, Peter had just said, you are the son of God. This is who you are, Jesus. And it was just an amazing moment. It says this, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So this is an interesting interaction. You have Peter who says, you're the son of God. And then Jesus says, well, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And then I'm going to raise raise again from the dead. And then Peter's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and this is a common mistake we all make as believers. In some ways, it's 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 kind of easy to believe who Jesus is on my terms. But this is the complete opposite of what discipleship is really about. We love oh, the person of Jesus, the idea of Jesus, but we often don't love the process of following him. Like, for example, I love lasagna. My, my mom makes the best lasagna in the world. I, I honestly believe that. But I don't really like the process of making lasagna. It's long. It's messy. There's dishes to wash. I'm really impatient. Like I'm get just get so hungry. I just want lasagna now. But that's like us in life. Sometimes we all want the benefits of of Jesus, but no bruises, no pain, no changing of myself. We want it our way, in our time frame, in our style. And this is really like the core question of discipleship. Who is really in charge of your life? Like, is Jesus the your true Lord? We live in a world and a culture that is just all about ourself. You know, like it's it's self-care, self-goals, self-improvement, me, 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 my, my, my. And where has it led us? Where is it leading us? Like, look around. We are elevating desires as identities. We have made ourselves king and is leading us down a path of just confusion and destruction. Right, so let's continue reading. We're still in Matthew 16. Let's go from verse 24. And this is where it gets real here. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, now he's not just speaking to anyone, he's speaking to his disciples. Are you a disciple today? He says this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge people according to their deeds. So Jesus says here to his disciples, he says that there are things you must give up and there are things you must take up. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Give up and take up. What do you need to give up today for Jesus? It, in the English Standard Version of Matthew 16, 24, it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow, and follow me. And the key word used in this command is this word deny. That means to give up, to lay down, to lay down our pride, and lay down our past. 
So much of following Jesus starts with humility, humbling myself, knowing that he is God and I am not, constantly monitoring my, my, my pride and laying it down at, at his feet, my pride and my past. What, what in your past has got a hold of you? For disciples of Jesus, the past has its place, and that is in the past. <laughs> it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. It's not the old life is hanging around. The old life just keeps knocking on your door. No, no, the old life is gone. And Jesus says, if you're my disciple, not just a fan, you got to give up and you've got to take up. I remember uh, I was a bit of a wrestling fan when I was a kid, and uh, who wasn't, right? It was the glory days of wrestling. But uh, I remember WWF, which is now WWE, they used to have this type of match that was called an I Quit match, where basically two guys would fight and to the point where you know one would hold a microphone up to the other, or the ref would, and they would say, I quit. <laughs> that, would, that would end the match. Now, obviously, it was all fake and choreographed, but, but this idea of like being so at the end of yourself that you just say, I quit, right? And I think we all need to come to that place in our lives for the Lord, giving up on doing things ourselves and surrendering to God, saying, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm quitting on my ways and I'm taking up your ways. Give up your pride and your past today. Give up your secret sin. Give up your fears to Him. What do you need to give up today? We need to give up. And also, He says, we need to take up. So what do you need to take up today? Well, obviously, let's start with what the, the, the Scripture says, and it talks about how we Jesus says we must take up our cross. Now, what does Jesus mean by that, to take up our cross? Well, well cross-bearing in Jesus' time was when a person was condemned to death by crucifixion, they would first be asked to carry their cross. They would literally carry the very instrument or or part of it, maybe just the cross beam, that they would be killed on. They would carry it, parade them through the town. They would they would it would be this public display of of like, look at this person carrying their cross. Now, the condemned person was being punished for their rebellion against authority. So the carrying of a cross was like their final act of submission to that authority. So when Jesus says that we are to carry our cross, he is calling us towards submission to his authority, submission to God's authority. When Jesus talks about self-denial and cross-bearing, he's not talking about, you know, putting on a robe and some sandals and going live in some living in some monastery. No, he's talking about taking on his authority over our lives as disciples. And you know, even look at Jesus and his example. When he's about to endure his cross, he he prayed and pleaded with his father. And it says this in Mark 14, verse 36, Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done not mine. Not my will, but your will. That was what Jesus did. This is submission, to come under the mission and authority of God. Now, I, I just love that when, when just, just a side note, that when Jesus calls us to something, he often has done it himself or is about to do it himself. Isn't that amazing? But what does submission look like? It literally means to come under the mission, submission. 
And one of the best pictures of discipleship is the picture of apprenticeship, where we are literally studying under someone to become like them, to work like them. And that someone is Jesus. Uh, you know, many believers today believe that God is more like in commission with them, that God somehow blends himself into my dreams and desires and commissions with me, that Jesus came to give me life and life to the full, full of my dreams and my desires. But that is not the life that Jesus was talking about. And this is not the life of a disciple. Uh, you know, Jesus was referred to as a rabbi or a teacher. In Jesus' time, Jewish disciples would search for a rabbi. And Jewish children began their formal study of the Torah, which is the five, uh, first five books of our Bible. But they would start this study of the Torah at age five by attending Bet Shefer, which was like the house of the book. That's basically what it means. It was school for, for Jewish children and, and, and the local synagogue taught by a rabbi or, or, or a teacher. And the teaching was focused on reading, writing, and memorizing the Torah. Okay, And some students memorized the entire Torah by the time they were 12 or 13 years old. So how are you doing with that? Like Many of us modern Christians can't even memorize one Bible verse, yet these young kids are memorizing whole chunks of the Old Testament. Uh, but by 18, which was the age of, of marriage and, and family forming, gifted students were allowed to postpone their marriage and continue their studies under a rabbi. And most students sought to learn under rabbis with an exceptional reputation or who, who they believed had a good understanding of the scripture. They basically wanted to pick a good rabbi. And if a rabbi believed this in the student, uh, in the, the potential disciple, and they would test them, test their knowledge, he, he agreed to let them follow him, okay? And the student would become his disciple, It'd be like this disciple-rabbi relationship. And there was... Rare cases where a rabbi sought his students and asked them to follow him. But the life of a disciple of a disciple was quite radical by our standards. It was more than just learning. It meant that you stood in awe of your rabbi, that you would be totally committed to him and become just like him. That was the goal. You studied how they lived, how they taught, how they ate, their mannerisms, how they communicated. If they traveled, you travel with them. Your personal life took second place to that of your rabbi. Now, how does that sit with us as modern Christians? Like, you know, we we try to make God fit in our personal life, uh, and here the, God is calling us to this radical discipleship of making our lives fit His agenda, right? The goal of a disciple was not just to know what the rabbi knows, but to become who they are. And Jesus even alludes to this in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So this is what discipleship looked like. It was submission. This is what discipleship to Jesus looks like, submission to him, right? And when Jesus says his disciples must take up their cross, what he's saying is, be like me, follow me under my authority, not yours, but mine. Now, when you hear the word submission, often we think about you know, like wrestlers submitting one another, like against their will. No, this isn't like a, a, an against my will thing. This is a willful laying down of myself for him. So I want to ask these questions again. What is a disciple to you? What comes into your mind? Are you a disciple of Jesus today? Are you a follower or a fan? And in truth, being a disciple of Jesus is actually great gain for us. You know, you know, um, we can often view submission to authority like loss 
for us, like losing my preference or losing my independence. But that all depends upon who it is that you're submitting to, right? Like I love going out for dinner with my parents because guess what? They often, like 99.9% of the time, they pay the bill right? It's who you hang with, right? And in many ways, being under Jesus' authority looks like this too. It's under Him we find protection, direction, and correction, and provision. The calling of being a disciple of Jesus is a life that is full. It's it's an adventure uh, full of purpose beyond that of my own, and filled with the fullness of walking with Jesus day by day. When I submit my life to Him and His authority, it's on God, it says in Hebrews 12 too, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It's on him. He perfects our faith. He works in us. Amen. So as we start going into this theme of discipleship, let's remember it all starts with him. Jesus says that his disciples must give up and take up. So where do you sit today? Do, do you need to give up something? Do you need to take up Are you a Christian today? Maybe you're listening to our podcast. Maybe you've been visiting our church and you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus, to give your life to him. Well, if you want to make that decision, pray this prayer with me as I pray it out loud. I want you to say this to Jesus. And in saying this, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving my life to you and I want to become your disciple today. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you and being your disciple. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you are encouraged today and challenged, and we're going to continue this thought in the coming weeks and what this really practically looks like, because it's not like we're just following, like, it's not like Jesus is just walking around the shopping center and we're following him around like like, like the disciples did. There is practical outworkings of discipleship and how, how we go about this. We're going to talk about this in the next coming weeks, so hopefully you can join us on this journey of learning more about discipleship, all right? So thanks for joining us today on our podcast. Hope you have a great week. Come to church. Come and join us. Get to Connect Group this month, and and we'll hope to uh, see you around. See you next time.